Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of the Optical View Podcast. Today I have on Dr. Michael Sechak. Dr. Michael Sechak is a chiropractic doctor, uh, really a doctor of rehab. We kind of jump into uh, of everything, you know, what chiropractic is, all the different methods that he use and he uses, and the people he works with. Uh, he's always been somebody that I've known to be extremely intelligent and just a thirst for knowledge. He's always reading and he's always trying to better himself. We have a wonderful conversation. Be sure to follow him on social media. And honestly, like I'm so excited to to get in to him, get to get myself in with him, and and he'll help me on uh, my rehab and and just general health. Um, you know, in general and staying healthy and fit. So. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. I'll see you in the next one. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Optical View Podcast. Today I'm super excited to have on Michael Sechak. Hey man, how's it going? Good, did I pronounce it correctly? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're all good. <laughs> all right, um, before we get into the juicy stuff, I have some quick rapid-fire questions for you. Let's do it. Favorite genre of music? Uh, probably like modern alternative rock. Okay. What do you think is your favorite thing about yourself? Mm, maybe. I like being kind to people. Let's go with that one. <laughs> what do you think is the best gift that you've ever received? I think it was back when I was like in grade five. My mom got me a Nintendo Wii, and I just remember being like ecstatic. So probably the one. The Wii, I love it. <laughs> I'm gonna flip that around. Yeah. What do you think's the best gift that you ever gave? Best gift I ever gave. Hmm. That's uh, I think maybe three or four years ago my brother came down for christmas i gave him uh this one like climbing tool that was used to kind of go fit in like small crevasses i remember him just being super delighted about it and also i think it like helped prevent him from falling one day and potentially hurting himself really badly so that made me feel pretty good hearing about that nice do you have a favorite quote if you do what is it how you do anything or sorry how you do as the quote go, I'm always really bad at quotes. <laughs> uh, how you do anything is how you do everything. Yes, I love that. Now I'm curious. This the, I'm always curious about this question, but because mm-hmm. like I know you, but I only kind of know you. This this kind of intrigues me. You know, if a movie ever gets made about you, who would you want to play you in the movie? I think Ryan Reynolds would be really fun. We don't look nothing alike, and he's a lot more funnier than me, but uh, I, I, he's just an awesome actor. Okay, I like it. Uh, moving on to this next part, this or that. Two options, you got to pick one. All right. Audiobook or podcast? Podcast. Hot or cold weather? Hot. Cats or dogs? Cats. Coffee or tea? coffee morning or night person night tacos or burgers Ooh, i gotta go with tacos i love tacos all right pancakes or waffles waffles my man <laughs> salad or soup uh soup pizza or pasta pizza yeah pizzas that's a steer Introverted or extroverted? Primary intro, yeah. Okay. Android or Apple? Uh, I'm probably Apple, I guess. <laughs> Tough question or what? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I, I only use Apple products except for like my like, computers, uh, iPhone, stuff like that. But I, I Android hers more like functional and I believe Apple is kind of like, limiting. Yes. Yeah. Last one here. I'm a big fan of tattoos. What would you say is your favorite tattoo either on yourself or on somebody else? 
Um, my friend Sean Spence, he has a really cool leg tattoo. It's just like a badass uh, Japanese style dragon. And it's like, it looks amazing. I love the colors on it, but it's also like in a extremely sensitive area. Like when it's like around the ankle, the bones and whatnot. So he endured that kind of creativity and beauty and it, it worked out. <laughs> All right, Sean. Now he trains at a four eleven. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. I know Sean. Cool. Well, let's jump into it here, Michael. Who are you? What do you do? I'm Michael Sechak. I'm a newly graduated chiropractor and a sport enthusiast as well. What was the last one? I'm a sport enthusiast, so I love playing sports. Uh, past month, I've started up ultimate frisbee again. I uh, went indoor bouldering and rock climbing. Try to strengthen up my forearms for practice, of course. Um, and also, I started for, at 4.11, too. I'm a white belt now. No way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, that just got me so happy. Yeah, I've only been a couple times so far, but, like, it's so fun. Jiu-Jitsu is awesome. Man, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's jump into the uh, the chiropractor to begin with here, let's right? Let's go. So, yeah. Newly graduated, does that mean that you're now doctor? Yes, yes. Oh, okay. I, I like it. to be fancy. That's it. So, all right, I, I have no idea how the medical practice and the medical field works, right? So, what do you have to do to kind of to jump into that? Do you have to um, just go to a regular like college university? Like, walk me through what you got to do. Yeah, so uh, in Canada, at least, um, you have to go to university. It's a minimum of three years. Uh, and in my case, I did four years just because I had I really enjoyed university and like wanted to get the most experience out of it. Um, you get a certain a GPA. Um, there's no prerequisite courses that you have to take, but it's a good idea to kind of get a good foundation, anatomy, physiology, and other health-related uh, subjects. And after that, you apply in, you do a couple interviews. If you get in, that's great, but you have four more years ahead of you of Pretty intense studying, lab work, a bunch of exams. At the end of the four years, you have to write three board exams. And after that, you pass all of them. You pay your association fees and you call yourself a doctor of chiropractic. So is, it's, a separate, it's a separate school then for chiropractic? Yes. Yeah, it's its own professional college. Okay. And so I know like with other doctors, you have to do, uh, what do they call that? Like, it's like shadowing. Do you have to do that with chiropractor well as well? Yeah, yeah. So it's always a good idea to shadow, especially like not only people in your own field, as many others as possible. So I was like shadowing medical doctors, physios, other chiros, naturopaths, just to get the uh, full lens on like who your healthcare team can be in your community. Um, and then at the inner fourth year, it's actually like we have quite a few courses, but it's more so uh, an in a full year of internship. So I did one half of a my year in Bowmanville, and then my second half out in St. Mike's in Toronto. And that was an amazing experience. Wow. Where'd you do the, uh, the first half in Bowmanville? Um, so it's at the Bowmanville Health Center. It was just off of Liberty and Highway 2. I think I go there. Oh, yeah? Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah there's a little chiral clinic just on the first floor. Um, Dr. Laura DeGraw and Dr. Corey Hofkirchner run there. And I was with uh, Dr. Hoff. He's a he's an awesome guy. Wow. Okay. So, like, what what's the study of chiropractics? Yeah. So I guess it's evolved. So it first began late eighteen hundreds with D. D. Palmer, and he saw that like looking at various people with a spinal deformities, quote unquote, um, the practice of like adjustments or manipulation to the uh, spinal bodies can help like solve some issues going on uh, eventually with the application some evidence in foreign practice and more and more literature that was released over the next century a couple centuries i guess uh has evolved into more of a modern approach where we don't only just do uh focus on malalignment that's not really a thing in the spine anymore it's more so there might be some spinal restrictions limiting your range of motion and we help do use adjustments, soft tissue therapy, mobilizations, and most importantly, exercise to help uh, resolve your issues. Okay, so if I was to book in with you, how does it, is it a time session? Does it go by 
um, just from start to finish in terms of mobilization? Like, what's the what's the period? Yeah, so it depends on whose practice you go to. Typically, uh, the initial assessments are about like forty five minutes to an hour. You go in, uh, you talk a little bit about what your uh, complaint is. They get a brief medical history, family medical history, see if there's any uh, contraindications or red flags to care. If you're all good to go, you go in the physical exam, looking at your muscle strength, range of motion, a neurological exam, just make sure the nerve is all functioning well. And once the diagnosis is established, you develop a treatment plan. And it varies what it is because some diagnoses that you get could take about like a year or two to recover, such as like frozen shoulder, and others may take a couple of weeks, such as like a acute low back strain. Okay. So you mentioned like prior family history. Right. Mm-hmm. What would kind of be a red flag along those like that line? Yeah. So for prior family history, sorry, my cat just like saw me and his butt's rain my face. <laughs> <laughs> for prior family medical history, you're more so looking at uh, inflammatory arthritis, such as rheumatoid arthritis. Um, if it's an older vi- individual and the, their family has osteoporosis and more importantly, fragility fractures. Um, history of cancer of the family, um, cardiovascular disease, stuff like that. But the inflammatory arthritis and the cancer are like very key because if they have constant pain that isn't responding well to manual therapy, it shows that there might be some need for pharmacological management or another source. Mm, okay. So I kind of heard rumblings that like, chiropractics isn't like legit have you heard anything like that oh yeah oh yeah no i i uh it's really funny when you look at this profession because the way we do in canada is awesome where you take an evidence-informed approach everyone graduates fairly competent and applies techniques and procedures that should work the ones where it's like not legit is uh comes from people that you go in for like three, four, five times a week. And all they do is they put you on a table and they go rack and crack them. You're in there one minute, two minutes, three minutes, you're in and you're out. And like, sure, adjustments are good for the short term, depending on the case, but like, it's not the solution for all. So if you seek a practitioner and they do that, then you might not be in the right place to get some legit care. And how do you know if you're in the right place or not? Is it just time? Yeah, I think um, giving a call in advance, seeking, seeing like what their uh, initial assessment process is like, if they own, and then you can ask like what their treatment uh, is as well. Like if they only do adjustments, then you might want to seek an alternative, see if you can get like somewhere they do like more like one-on-one hands-on care, some soft tissue mobilizations. Um, but like, again, the exercise and education is like very key. So if you can kind of like do your research, call a few different places, make sure that they're pretty solid. That may be the best way to go. And so when you talk about mobilization, right, um, is that like a lot of range of motion or what is that? Yeah, so mobilization and manipulation or the adjustment, they fall under the same spectrum where it's a graded approach. So it goes from grade one to grade five. Grade one is a very gentle mobilization. So this is a force directed at a joint to slightly open it. The higher the grade, the more you open up that joint. And then grade five is actually manipulation, where you take the joint to its end range, apply a quick little thrust, and you open up the joint just a tiny bit more than it usually goes through the range of motion, and you might get the cracking or cavitation sound of that. Oh, okay. So when you actually, you know, when you're on the table and you hear that, you know, that crack of mm-hmm. pop, that's actually mobilizing that joint in the surrounding area? Yep, yep. Okay. And does that work with, with all the different um, parts of the body? Like, would it be like the, the knuckles and the, the fingers, the phalanges, stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. All joints like, such as that that are mobile, you can do it with. Um, you see online sometimes, it's pretty interesting that uh, some people try to uh, manipulate the skull. But those joints, they're open when you're... Like, young infant but they fuse very soon after and once they're fused they you're not going to move them and if you do that person has to go to the er because you just cause a skull fracture um so i don't think i've ever heard of anyone manipulating a skull successfully but 
yeah, typically it's like the spine, the knuckles, the elbow, the wrists, joints that can actually move. You can manipulate. Okay. And so I heard before that when, you know, you know, you kind of like pop your knuckles, you pull your fingers or whatever, that may actually increase the risk of um, arthritis and different things like that. Mm-hmm. Is there any for that? Yeah. Um, so, so far it actually shows that there's no proof that actually can cause arthritis. So what you're doing is that you're just opening up the joints. So there's no damage to the cartilage or any of the structures around it. Um, and there's actually a very interesting longitudinal study done by this one medical doctor. I can't remember the year that it was accomplished or it was uh, published, but I think it was, he cracked one knuckle or he cracked one hand and the other hand he didn't crack and followed along for 25, 30 years. And after 30 years, they examined the hands and there's no difference in arthritis right now. And so far there's nothing else in the literature to show that any cracking of the knuckles or any other part of your body can cause arthritis or damage the joint. Okay. Wow. Okay. So you don't need to worry about that then. No, no, no. Now when it comes to different things, um, such as joint pain and, uh, I guess mobilization, do any of the like topicals, like the creams, the A535, anything like icy freeze, anything like that, does that actually help with any of that? So, yeah, the menthol in some of those creams helps a little bit with the inflammation or the pain. Um, sometimes it's also like a different stimulation you get might distract the person from the pain. And ultimately, placebo plays an effect in every single modality out there, whether it's Spinal manipulative therapies, medications, surgery, um, it's a huge effect. So when it comes to joints, it's hard to say whether it gets that deep. I know there's some uh, topical creams like um, NSAIDs and whatnot that are used for arthritis. But when it comes to muscles, it's more so that kind of anti-inflammation that you want to focus on in those creams. Mm, So there is some benefit to that. Yes. Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. And then you also mentioned kind of, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but also, I guess, uh, well, I'm trying to think of the word that you used, but like different mobility in terms of like functionality. So would you be helping people uh, get stronger in terms of, uh, say, just moving laterally or jumping or squatting or anything like that? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, my main goal is for people to come in and kind of, leave having new abilities whether it's in mobility or new abilities in regards to strength mobility endurance stuff like that usually people have a deficit when there's some pain uh whether it's caused by the pain or it was there before it's hard to say but yeah that's one of my objectives is to improve your overall functioning (laughs) okay so in your clinic what tools do you have? Like, do you have weights around? Do you have scales? Do you have, uh, what do you have? Yeah, so both my clinics, uh, when I was on the search, on the prowl for jobs, I had a checklist. So they need, of course, like a pretty clean environment. I like being like organized and whatnot. But most importantly, they had to have a rehab facility. So the two clinics I'm at right now, one would be My Life Rehab and Wellness and one in Ajax, which is Apex Health and Fitness. Both have pretty solid gyms and a lot of strength and conditioning equipment in there. So a lot of times during my appointments, um, typically about like 30 minutes long. So I'll be in in the room with you for 15 minutes. We do the hands-on care, get you feeling a little bit better. And I'll go out to the gym for another 15 minutes to do all the exercises to apply to your home exercise program. Mm, okay. And outside of that, the other modalities, I keep it pretty simple. It's like primarily hands-on, um, a lot of like massage therapy-like techniques. Um, I do a little bit of acupuncture, but I, I don't do too much of like the TENS or IFC and stuff like that. Okay, okay. Now, is there any type of uh, exercises <clears throat> or movements that you'd recommend for anybody listening at home? For people listening at home right now, I mean, as long as you're moving around, uh, if it's pain specifics, for example, like low back pain, you can do certain regimens, such as like the McGill Big Three, which involves like a curl up, a side plank, and the bird dog. But like even just getting up and moving around, just going for a short 10 minute walk 
has extreme benefits for your health and not just your musculoskeletal health. Well, I like to tell patients that are kind of like apprehensive to movements and also they're not used to exercise is to microdose their exercise. So it's a fun term that's commonly tossed around recreational drugs, but exercise can be fun too. So uh, if you get up, move around even for one minute, do some stretching, do a couple squats, it'll have significant effects on your health. Mm. Now, do you use a heart monitor? What do you use? Well, I'm actually uh, gauging it. Typically, it's just uh, RPE. So I talk to them, like, unless they actually have cardiovascular issues, then I'll um, see the heart rate and see like what they can manage. If it's very high, I don't want to push them too hard. Um, but if their medical history is all clear, then I'll just use an RPE scale, see at the point where they reach muscle fatigue, and then um, also if it's more endurance, see how they're kind of speaking to me while they're running. Typically, I want to be around that moderate to high intensity range. I don't want to go beyond that, especially if they're injured, because it is a higher chance of injury to occur if you're performing at a very high level. Yes. Okay. So the majority of your patients or people that come in that are seeking help, um, what would you say, like, what, what would you say they are? Are they like high performance athletes or the general population people who are just sick, maybe chronologically or the injured? What's the majority of your patients? I say at my would be locations, it's general pop more so. Uh, we do get a, quite a few younger athletes are fairly high level. Like some are, uh, almost like TFC Academy level. Um, and about the Ajax location, we get a lot of more like weekend warrior type. Um, some people that are like in um, bodybuilding competitions and stuff like that. So it's a wide spectrum, which I'm happy with because I get like a decent amount of experience uh, from a lot of different like fields and with a lot of different individuals. But so far, no specific population that I'm like narrowing in on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And in the experience that you've had with the industry, how fast does this industry change? Um, I'd say there is a decent lag time. It's hard to give it like an actual value in years, but like some people, they just get into a groove where they'll use like modalities. One that's commonly criticized is ultrasound um, due to like its lack of effectiveness. But even though that's been in literature for quite some time, people will still use it because they find that it's effective and they have that kind of like self-serving bias toward it. Um, but I'd say if you're up to date on your literature readings, you're kind of involved in the community, change can occur fairly quick. Like uh, practice style should be evolving year to year. And how do you stay up to date and continue to learn? Um, I like to continue being a big nerd. <laughs> so I, every single day I read a couple of research articles. I have subscriptions, um, to a couple of these, uh, what do you call it? Uh, journal databases where I have keywords in there, such as like spinal stenosis, low back pain, etc. So pumps out a bunch of articles and it'll give me like the title. And if I find it's interesting or applicable to me in my practice, I'll highlight it and put in my folder. Other than that, we have to do continuing education courses. So we have to do about 40 hours every two years, 20 hours are um, kind of hands-on things that you have to do to upgrade like your technique and diagnostic skills. And the next 20 hours are more educational to ensure that you're kind of staying up to date with the literature. But I like to go above and beyond that because there's so much information out there and a lot of not so good information too. Expand on that. What do you mean? Yeah, so majority of the studies get released now, or just in general, not necessarily now, but a lot of them are affected by bias. So people publish results that have a lot of um, other factors at play. So they're not necessarily the um, intervention that's causing the result, but it could be like a different thing that's involved because they didn't have a good control population. Um, or they didn't kind of vet the population that they're bringing in or comparing to. Uh, and like the other clinical practice guidelines that they're doing aren't necessarily the best. So one of my clinicians 
and I agree with them. You said that 90% of the literature that's being released is kind of BS, but it's up to you to kind of go through it, appraise it, and find that 10% that you can actually apply to daily practice. Mm. Yeah, that's one of the big things at our school that we were taught was the appraisal process. It's a pain in the butt and it takes time, but once you get efficient at it, you, you can see through the lines, you can see through the BS. Wow. So did you first have to go and get your, your regular medical license before you jumped in to kind of be more specific? Um, uh, what do you mean by that? Like, I know, uh, I'm trying to think, like certain doctors, you have to go and get your, your like, regular MD before you can specialize in something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's medical doctors that their medical licensing is different. Um, career Kairos. Because uh, medical doctors typically, yeah, they go through their uh, medical school. They have the one year of internship, I believe. And then they go to like a residency program. So then that's more years and years of training. Um, chiropractors in Canada, we have it. So we have our four years of chiro college. We do that one year internship right at the end. And then um, once we get our license, we have the option of doing the residency. But it's not necessarily required like it is for medical doctors. So our school, we have a sports residency, uh, radiology, um, clinical sciences. And there's another one that's with kind of like health and like policy. So it's a little bit more like politics, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So they're they're not too many spots i have a few colleagues that are in there and it's an amazing program that's an extra two years of school and placements um i was highly debating it but i was just too excited to kind of get out in the real world and begin practice yeah for sure i mean that kind of brings me to my next question i mean what do you see the future being like for you oh that's hard to say in this day and age eh? <laughs> uh things changing so much but Hopefully next, I'll give like five years um, forecast, but five years, ideally continuing practice and building out the kind of uh, my reputation in this community. Um, I'm loving what I'm doing right now. And most days I go home with a smile on my face. So don't really want to change it too much. Um, but it's, it's hard to say because there's so many other factors at play, like trying to get like a house in this market in Durham region is just impossible right now so we'll see we'll see if we're we'll be ontario bound still in five years or who where we'll be okay i like that a lot actually because you I, it's so true right you don't know you don't know where you know you're gonna live let alone what you're gonna do yeah on, right so let's talk a bit about some of the sports that you do i want to jump back you know, we'll, we'll probably t- wrap up the podcast talking more about some more chiropractic stuff. All right. Yeah. Let's, let's lighten the mood and talk a little bit about some of the sports that you do. So I know you mentioned ultimate frisbee and bouldering. What else do you do? Well, my first love was uh, soccer. So I'm, when I was a kid in high school, I played like t- one to two hours a day of soccer. So I'm trying to keep up with that, but other things come into life. <laughs> I kind of keep busy, but. Uh, beach volleyball over the summer. I love playing that. Um, hiking as well is phenomenal. I try to go for drives with Megan pretty far out there to go on some nice new hikes. But um, what else do I do? And I'll, besides that, it's a lot of, like pickup sports. Luckily, I have like a good community of like friends and family. So like during winter time, we can play some pond hockey, play some pickup basketball and stuff like that. Man, that's wicked. So I have to know, I know, I know I said we'll jump back, but I got to know, do you think your general knowledge of all these different sports, right? You just listed like six plus Mm -hmm. putting hiking helped with you understanding different philosophies and different movements when it came to actually being a chiropractor. Oh, hundred percent. That's one of the main reasons why I'm like continuing going through like jujitsu, especially like when you, when you're rolling around, you're trying to exploit all like the ligaments and tissues surrounding the body. And a lot of the maneuvers that you're doing are actually orthopedic tests that I learned through school. When you're putting stress on like, say that if you do like a heel hook, you're putting stress yeah. on that ATFL. If you push even more, you're putting stress on the ACL and the knee. So it's very fascinating. I will like 
from Spore, you can actually get a practical uh, application to your uh, job. Also, it helps me connect with my patients uh, very well because when they come in, they're like, oh, I sustained this injury after doing this one activity. I'm like, oh, okay, so I know exactly that. I know what the, the demands are, so I know what we need to do to kind of get you back into uh, functioning, uh, like a functioning kind of state. So sports are phenomenal for this uh, field. Yes, yeah, because uh, I, I, I also see a physio every week. Yeah, yeah. She's involved in, in all kinds of sports as well. Maybe not every week. Maybe it's every second week or whatever, but mm-hmm. regularly anyways. And uh, so I actually hurt my arm doing jiu-jitsu. And then somebody, I guess, took a video of her actually doing jiu-jitsu and she sent it to me. And I was like, oh, that's wild. That's crazy. And she's <laughs> like, I need to know the position because, like, I guess I couldn't describe it well enough for her. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's absolutely wild. How you just didn't understand something so you're like all right just do that same thing to me and i'll and i'll understand what happened right? yeah that's awesome <laughs> yeah that's what i'm saying like jujitsu is just like literally practical application of orthopedic test <laughs> so you're gonna be dangerous on these mats is what you're telling me maybe maybe we'll see <laughs> Yo, your white belts in your third class yeah yeah <laughs> i'll try that tonight <laughs> I do listen. Don't don't mention my name, all right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you had a you had a deal on the podcast, right? I did, yeah. Oh nice. Yes. Adio's he's a great guy. I love Adio, yeah. Who's the who's the um the beginner class teacher there? Is it Armin? Um classes I've been to only have had um Adio and there's two brown belts there. I think one was from I might be wrong, but I think one was from Cal Samrit and one's from that gym. I just can't remember their names at the moment. Mm, okay. I'll figure it out. I'll yeah. track find you. <laughs> um, so let's kind of move back into, into the, some of the chiropractic knowledge here. In your different clinics, right, who else are you working with? Are you working with RMTs and physios? Oh, yeah, yeah. Good question. Um, so the one would be... Um, we're primarily just chiros, physios. We have an athletic therapist there. And we also have a personal trainer who is, uh, does fascial stretch therapy. Um, and then in the Ajax location, we have myself and another chiro. We have a physio, uh, chiropodist or chiropodist. I've heard it pronounced both ways. So I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Uh, a law massage therapist and a lot of uh, personal trainers as well. So it's a good like interdisciplinary team where we get to like learn a lot from each other and whenever we want like a, to refer someone to a service we can just do it in-house too which is awesome mm, okay and that was kind of my next question is how do you actually get your patients oh yeah yeah so so far i've been doing like loads of networking from like the Woodby chamber ajax pickering board of trade and quite a few other organizations to kind of get my name out there and tell people what i'm about but uh a lot of time it's from online people just kind of looking up Google reviews. Good thing our clinics have like good Google reviews. Uh, so a lot of people like to see that. Um, the massage therapists refer quite a few patients to me that they're struggling or require a little bit more rehab. Um, and then once you do a good job of people, typically they'll kind of shout out from the mountaintops for you. So they'll tell their friends and family about you. Or they're like, oh yeah, you should see this person because they helped me with the exact same issue. So yeah, like it's a it's a variety of sources, which is very nice. But I find that kind of in house and also from uh, previous patients is the main source for referrals so far. So you still have to go out in some capacity and get your patients. It's not like they just walk into a doctor's office and there you are sitting on the chair ready for them, right? Like oh, yeah, you literally find them. Yeah, yeah. Like some like I have to go out there and like make myself known because. Unfortunately, like there is kind of like a sales aspect. I don't want to be salesy to anyone, but like I do have to kind of promote myself and show or tell them like how I might be able to help them in these like certain situations. And there's so much competition out there because like a chiropractors, depending on how they practice, can be very similar to physios, can be similar to osteopaths, can be similar to certain massage therapists, and people could receive benefit from all of them as well. So like it's a it's a tough time to kind of uh compete with everyone but 
as long as you're doing a good job following like evidence and foreign practice as well, then I think a lot of people appreciate that and will seek you out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, I know you mentioned some marketing techniques with the Whippy Chamber of Commerce and such. What what other things are you doing? I mean, is there like a a secret chiropractic meeting that you guys have, or like you know, how are you finding other places that that offer chiropractic, physio, potential clinics that you might want to go to, and and what other kind of marketing techniques are you doing? Yeah, for marketing, well, the secret chiro meetings, I can't tell you too much about because they're secret. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. There ain't no secret chiro meetings. It's just my friends meeting up and hanging out. But uh, for other like sources, um, because I really like dealing with chronic uh, pain, like persistent pain syndromes, um, I find that that's a very difficult uh, syndrome to treat. And also people receive a lot of benefit from it, or relatively a lot of benefit from it if they're seeking a good practitioner. But from that, it's not just the physical aspect, it's also the mental aspect that's involved. So I've been meeting with a couple uh, psychotherapists. One of them was uh, Julia Rick, who was on the podcast before. And uh, yeah. yeah, so just to kind of like meeting up with them, uh, tying them high practice, getting to know them, seeing how they practice and kind of help each other help our patients. And uh, especially those with like chronic persistent pain syndromes. Um, so yeah, outside like the chambers and meeting with other professionals to kind of get like a center of influence and in our referral source, there are like other kind of groups, like there's like, uh, the BNIs and stuff like that. I haven't like necessarily joined one, but I've heard like good things about them for private healthcare professionals. Okay. Okay. And now I got to ask you the big question. I know you said you don't like being salesy, but. I'm going to put you on the hot spot here. All right, all right. <laughs> why would somebody choose you, right? I mean, you're a fairly new uh, chiropractor. You're not, you know, you haven't been in the industry for 25, 30 years. Why would somebody choose you? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a very good point. I was wondering that myself uh, when I first started practicing. But I, I think one of the big things when you first walk in is that I've read a very welcoming environment and I love to listen to people when I have intakes. I'm generally, if it's like a conversation, break it down. I probably do about 10 to 15% of the talking. There's a lot of just questioning and like ruling out red flags and stuff. But I provide an environment where you can uh, express your concerns, your fears, what you want to improve on and everything like that. From that standpoint, the assessment process is huge because I look at not only the immediate uh, deficits and range of motion or neurological and stuff like that, but also see how it impacts your daily life, see what strength is also deficiting, or uh, see what strength deficits there are, and uh, kind of improve from there on. Um, and then from the actual long-standing treatment, I have an ego, everyone has an ego, but I don't want to see people too much because the more I see you, the kind of like, worse I am at my job. Ideally, you're getting better sooner, so I don't have to see you as much. So I think people and their wallets can appreciate that standpoint too. Hmm. Okay, I like that a lot. And uh, I want to throw something out there too, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I've <laughs> always known you to be somebody who's, who's uh, you know, in the pursuit uh, of, of knowledge, right? So if you don't know something, you'll go out of your way and try and find that out. Mm -hmm you know, uh, thirst and, and, you know, thirst for knowledge and for the answers. So, uh, let's see what else I got here. Anything else that you want, any myths that you kind of want to de debunk about, uh, Cairo? Um, yeah, one big one is, uh, people who are like scared of crowds right now, like, you're active on social media and stuff, so you probably see it on the videos of like chiropractors on there or people like uh, mimicking chiros with the skeletons and stuff around spooky season. Yeah, like they're to be honest, those like the skeleton videos were very funny. I like it's good to, like laugh at yourself and stuff, but it also it was quite concerning because like a lot of my young patients I have come in, I asked them about that. I'm like, oh, like what were your thoughts about coming in here? And like if you're on social media, like how did that make you feel? And they were like, oh, honestly, like, it scared me. Like, I see his videos and people are like, and it's like, why strap done? They're like, ringdinger and all that stuff. And it's scary because it looks like they're going to yank your head off. And I like, I just want to tell people that 
majority of Kairos aren't like that. If anything, the Kairos online are like kind of the ones that are being, they're the, the few amongst the many. A lot of other Kairos, especially recent grads, hate them. They kind of make her profession look pretty bad and scary to me, honest, because like if I wasn't in this profession, I would be quite concerned about those Kairos as well. Um, so, and also like, if you don't want adjustments, you don't have to get an adjustment. We know many other things. We have over a thousand hours and training and hands-on care. So like we can do many other techniques that doesn't require an adjustment. Mm. Wow. Okay. I like that a lot. Any, any other myths you want to debunk? Um, none come to mind. We talked about the, the alignment stuff a little bit earlier, how that was like debunked a little while ago. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's any come to mind so far. Something might come up soon. And a couple more things I wanna I wanna ask you here is, um, you kind of spoke about how you how you pick the places that you work in the clinics and stuff, mm -hmm. right? Um, what's their process like for you? Uh, in regards to kind of hiring or like the it, management? Yes, yeah, I guess it would be hiring. I mean, you you kind of mentioned that the market can be at certain times saturated with different, different types of, uh, you know, sports specialists, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what process did they choose, you know, you and Cairo and stuff like that? Yeah. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, for that one, I think it's really important for like new grads to go through the process and get a few interviews under their belts because, while I was doing my interviews, there was a couple of clinics I'd go and I'd do pretty well um, and like answer everything to like my like uh, kind of honest beliefs and stuff like that. And then they just say like, okay, can you start like this day? We'll hire you right away. I'm like, that seems quite concerning. Like I find that they're kind of desperate in that standpoint. So ideally, hmm. uh, they're just kind of looking to fill a room, not necessarily fill like someone with a... Uh, like who's a solid practitioner. Um, some clinics I've interviewed for, which I really liked, like my would-be one, was that we went through like a long interview process. I think it was like two and a half hours where we talked about like the profession itself, our beliefs, our philosophy, but also how we're like just uh, kind of like our personal life and see if we can like get along more on like a personal level because like it's more like friends working together rather than just coworkers in the business. Yeah. And also the... Uh, that had a hand-on application approach. So the clinic owner had a complaint and they're like, okay, walk me through the process of how you would uh, assess this and also treat it in the same like time frame. I'll give you like 10 minutes or so. And so I got to do that, which I was like really impressed with because not too many clinics actually did that. Okay. Yeah. See, I, I love that, especially that last kind of clinic that you were describing. That's the one you currently work at and with you said. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, see, I when I walk in, so I go to MO Therapy, right? It's in Markham. So I don't know how much longer I'll be going there, but because um, it is a bit away. But whenever I walk in there, every single person, it doesn't matter if they're a front desk worker or if they're, you know, a sports uh, specialist, they're so, like, it's almost like they're excited to see you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and on top of that, they just work so well as a team, Right. And I, I asked one of the guys who, uh, the RMT, who I, who I deal a lot with, his name's Damien, I had him on as well. And I kind of asked him one time, I go, what's like the interview process like? Because, you know, if you have eight, nine, ten people that all work together, it's very unlikely, at least from what I've seen, for every single person to get along. Right. And, you know, he said it really just comes down to the interview process and, and how they pick people. So, yeah. Like a lot of what he said is like the team picks, you know, the person, right? Is that somebody who you want to work with or is it not? And if it's not, then they probably won't work with that person. It doesn't matter if you have the highest qualifications, you've been in the industry 25 years, but if it's not somebody that the team's going to be good with, then they're not good for the team, right? It's yes. just a place for them. Yeah. If you look at it, like also like from a sports perspective, if you're playing hockey, you have six people on the ice and you're, you're dependent on everyone there and one person isn't mingling well with the team, you're not going to do well. Like these small little teams at clinics like depend on each other, whether it's from a referral basis, continuing care basis. Like it's important to have a solid team and with a very similar philosophy. Mm, man, I love that. I love that. All right. Let's, um, 
let's jump into the closing questions here. Sure. I'm curious uh, how you're going to take them and what your answers are going to be. Because uh, this, this conversation's kind of been all over the place. So um, let's see how you do it here. All right. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> what three qualities do you possess that make you successful? Um, you kind of touched this on a little bit like, just a little while ago. Is the kind of perseverance or the need to know more. Um, I like love uh, reading scientific journals and applying it to like daily cases and stuff. So I find that helps a lot in like my daily practice and uh, just in general, like life just kind of improve every day. Um, second one, it's hard depending on the situation, but try and be empathetic. Uh, sympathy can only get you so far. It's really like empathy and understanding the person, their situation where you can really bond with them and provide the best care. But it, it's very tough in certain situations. Um, what's the last one? Um, I think listening again, just uh, giving people that time to kind of like say what they need to say and being like showing active listening too, just so they're kind of like build that trust and you get like all the answers you really need to your situation, I find is very important. Mm, okay. All right. I love that, man. I love that. If you could go back in time, what is something you would tell your younger self? Oh, uh, a decent amount. Probably buy a house. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but uh, stick, like, listen to your gut. I found out when I was a kid, I was a little anxious, uh, like to overthink things, but. When I like reflected upon like certain situations afterwards, I was like, I knew I need to do in that situation. If I just listened to my gut, I think I would have been all right. Um, but yeah, like your gut, is, it, it knows. Like it's sometimes you just got to relax, take it easy and just go with what you know is right. Now, was there a particular time that you were thinking about when you said that? I think there was times in university, especially in first year where like there's, no specific situation comes to mind, but I remember like around that time, such a different environment, especially as a young individual that like, if I just relax, whether it was during a social meetup, during an exam or something, and I just like listen to my guts. I think I would have gone, I would have done like a little bit better, a little bit more satisfied with my performance, if you say. Mm. Are you, are you somebody who's very results driven? I'd say so. Like, I, I like the process a lot, but at the end of the day, like, results are very important. So, like, even in clinic right now, if I don't get a good result at the end of appointments, even, like, despite the patient being satisfied with it, like, I still want the best result. It's hard because it's impossible to get the best result, especially every single time. But results are pretty key in my, in my field. <laughs> I'm going to take a side step here. What do, you, yeah. what do you do to ensure that you get a better result the next time then? Reflective practice for sure. Uh, so I like to re reflect on most points of the day, especially during evening time. Um, just kind of like how things could have changed. If I had a situation to do all over again, what would I do? And more importantly, like if I could have done anything uh, different. Mm. Mm, okay. Okay. And do you give your patients homework, like anything to do at home, exercises, maybe stretches, anything like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Every single patient gets a home exercise program. That's how you get those long-term results. That's how you get the quote-unquote permanent change. It depends on they continue with the exercises and progress them. But yeah, everyone gets a home exercise program. Okay. All right. Jumping back here to the last, the last closing question here. What do you, what is something you do every day that you are proud of? Hmm. I think I show appreciation pretty well, whether it's like for family, friends, or just like small acts of kindness from strangers. I like to show people that they're kind of like, they were seen, they were noticed, um, and that like, a random person on the street can like appreciate what you're doing. Whether it's putting a shopping cart away in a busy uh, parking lot or like holding the door open for someone, 
or some more meaningful acts from someone that's closer to you. But I find that like it's pretty easy for these acts to go unnoticed. But when they do go noticed, you feel pretty good. And I like to make people happy in that regard and show that someone appreciates it. Oh, man. I love that. This has been a wonderful conversation. Who knows? Maybe down the line in the future, I'll have to have you back and you can give me some uh, some crazy stories that you've experienced. All, oh, yeah. <laughs> That'd be know, awesome. All confidential, of course. No names. Yes, yes. Unless it's me, then you can make fun of me. But... <laughs> um, any questions for me before we wrap it up? Uh, no questions. I just want to say thank you. This is a really fun conversation, really fun experience. I've never done anything like this, but it was awesome. Thank you, man. I've been, I was so excited to have you on and just, you know, speak and got to hang out soon and maybe get a role in too. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. I hope you humble me. So, <laughs> well, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> you know, all the, uh, the joints and stuff. So. Uh, yeah. It might help. Um, where can people find you? Yeah. So I guess I just got Instagram, but I will be more active on soon. Hopefully for us like more, Cairo related content on the new year but uh so my instagram is mike.cchuck um also i'm really open with like any kind of like knowledge out there in the chiral world or physical therapy world so if anyone wants to shoot me an email at apexchiropractor at gmail.com i'd happily respond and have a conversation with you where'd you get the apex from uh from my one clinic it's called apex health and fitness oh okay i got you and uh, that was the next thing I wanted to say. What what clinics are you currently at? Can you say it one more time? Yeah, yeah. So I got two locations. One in Whidbey's, My Life Rehab and Wellness. And the second one's in Ajax or South Ajax. It's called Apex Health and Fitness. Beautiful. Thank you for coming on, man. You have a wonderful day. Thanks, Dylan. Thanks for listening, guys. I really, really do appreciate you taking your time and listening to this podcast. Once again, just a quick reminder, please do like and subscribe wherever you guys get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. And like the Facebook page and also like the Instagram page as well. And don't forget, subscribe to the YouTube channel and the TikTok as well. Thanks again, guys.